0: All right, so we're going to pick up our series, and we're going to continue in the series that we've been in called On Repeat. And through most of this series, uh, most of the passages and things that we've looked at have been straight from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, about five weeks ago when we started the series, I gave you a little bit of homework, and that was to read Matthew 5-8, through 8, which is where the Sermon on the Mount is. And I know everybody has already caught up on it, and you've all already read it. But if you have not read it, maybe you're just new today and, and you're hearing of this for the first time. Now I just want to challenge you, go read that. I believe there's so much truth and so many things that are valuable in there. Uh, I mean, I've been preaching off of it for four or five weeks, got another couple weeks that we're gonna talk through and, and stuff. And so I just challenge you to go read that because I really feel like those passages are so rich of things that if we would just put it into implementation, not just read it and and, and kind of hear about it in a sermon and stuff, but begin to practice it, I believe you would see the church be way more effective. People would see God in us uh, way more uh, if we just begin to apply those things. So I just challenge you again uh, to go read that. Today we're going to kind of pick up, it's almost like a part two of last week. It's going to continue in the vein of relationships and stuff. And today we're going to talk about loving your enemies. And This is in the same area where Jesus is talking about prayer and all of that. And so the past four weeks have been really focused in on prayer and relationships. And so if you missed any of it, go back and pick those things up. But we're gonna start out Matthew chapter five, verse 43. And it says, as you have heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And so he starts out the gate with this with this thought. And really this whole passage in, where he's in in this part of the sermon is he's kind of raising the bar on some things. He says, you've heard it said that you shouldn't uh, murder anyone. But I say if you've had anger in your heart towards someone, then you've already committed murder. He talks about, you've heard it said that you should not have adultery. You should not commit adultery. But I say that if you've looked at a woman with lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery with her. All this part of the sermon he's doing, he's raising the bar a little bit To show you it's not just a a natural thing that you can just do better, be better. But it really is going to take God and the spirit of God in you to be able to accomplish these things. And he's challenging here in the area of relationships. The world will tell you, love your neighbor. And if people do good things to you, love them. And then the people who are wrong and and are jerks and all that stuff, that, that it's okay to hate them. But he says, no, that, that's not the way that I see it. In fact, you need to love your enemies and you need to begin to pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45 says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and and on the good and he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. And so here he's, he's telling them, listen, the, the whole point of this and and this change in your mentality of just loving people who love you is so that you can be more like your heavenly father. Because if you look at the way that God does things, God doesn't just, uh, you know, allow it to rain on righteous people's farms and their land so that they can get crops. See, He doesn't just let the sun shine on theirs and then sinners are in the dark. No, He He rains and He gives His blessings on the righteous and the unrighteous. He pours it out on the just and the unjust. Can I tell you something? God pours His love out on. The, the, those who will return his love and, and those who won't receive his love. It doesn't matter. God still pours out his love and Jesus is saying, the way that you're going to look more like your heavenly father is this. Now, there's a lot of people that'll pray and they'll ask God, God, make me more like you. Make me more like Jesus. I want to, I want to be more, more like you. Create, you know, Make me look like you. Let me act like you. Let people encounter you when they encounter me. And here Jesus is saying the way that you're going to do that is by your love, by changing the way, by not withholding things from love from people who are difficult to love. Because how many know there's some people that are difficult to love in this world? There's some people who it would take everything you have inside of you and then some to love because they're just confrontational and they're, they're hard. But... Aren't there people like that that are with God? If we're honest at times in our life, haven't we been that way with God? That we resist Him? He goes on in verse 46 and He says, If you love those who love you, then what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And so when he starts pulling these lists that he's given, he's, he's gonna list tax collectors and Gentiles. When you're talking to the, the Jewish people, the people that they probably hated the most and didn't like the most were tax collectors and Gentiles because the Gentiles weren't holy like them and they were heathens and, and they served false gods and everything. So they just weren't righteous like they were righteous. And then the, the tax collectors, they, they cheated them all the time. Like if they were collecting tax They didn't just collect the taxes that they owed, but they collected more. They cheated people. They abused their power and everything. And so here he he says, if you love those who love you, even tax collectors do that. If you greet your brothers, uh, what more are you doing than others? Don't Gentiles even do that? Like, the world does that. There's no difference if you just love people who love you. There's there's no difference if you treat people and greet people right that, that do the same to you. And then he says this phrase that I think a lot of times is taken out of context. Verse 48, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, the minute that some uh, like people say, it, and, and people will use this even as a thing of, well, you gotta be perfect and you gotta be sinless and you gotta stop all that doing wrong and you gotta be better and you gotta, you know, do right and everything like that. But Jesus is not throwing a weight that you can't accomplish. There is no one in here, nor has there been in in all of time except for Jesus that fits the qualification of perfection if you look at that that definition of perfection. The word that he uses here isn't uh, a a word meaning that you've got to be sinless because in fact he's not even talking about sin in this. He's talking about relationships in this. He's saying, I want you to be perfected in your relationships with other people. The Greek word there is teleos and the word teleos means complete. It means full grown or mature. And it means the completeness of godly character. So when Jesus says, you've got to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. He's not saying you have to be sinless and you've got to be perfect in that way. He's saying, listen, When it comes to your relationships, and the way that you love people, and the way that you treat people, I want you to be mature. Have you ever seen grown adults act like children? If you have attended any sporting event, you probably have seen grown adults act like children. I mean, like, it's crazy. Even in Christian school basketball, Like, no, sir, you cannot run out on the court and yell at the referee. You have to sit down. You do not have permission to do things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's crazy what people think. And in the world, you know, it's like people are more and more immature in the relationships today than they ever have been because they don't have to say the things face to face. Let's be honest. How many of you have ever had an encounter or confrontation with somebody and you said one thing, but when you walked away, you thought a whole lot more. But then when you told the story of what happened, you didn't say what you really said, you said what you thought Tell me, well, I told them, you did not. You wanted to tell them, but you didn't have the boldness to tell them in that moment. But now today we have this thing called social media that we can hide behind a little picture of ourselves. We put our nice little profile picture where we're all smiling and cheesing and it's just like, oh, look at me and my kids, me and my dog, we're, we're just a loving, healthy family and you know, just love the Lord and everything. But then the words that come out and then are posted in social media to show something completely different. God is saying, I need you to grow up. Like you're asking for people to be saved, but you're not asking any acting any different than the heathens. You're asking people to find freedom and healing and deliverance and to act right and to, you know, walk in righteousness. But you are walking in every bit as much sin as what they are. Not necessarily, I mean, you may not be getting drunk or you may not be smoking crack or you may not be doing stuff like that. But one of the things that my Bible says, now a lot of people pull these verses out. But one of the things in Proverbs chapter six—go check your Bible and see if it says this. It's not going on the screen. You've got to do homework. Is it one of the things that God hates is the sowing of discord among brethren? Wow, that God hates a gossiping tongue, wow. a lying tongue, a, di- a tongue that. Can, can I extend that a little bit farther and make that more modern? Lying thumbs. Gossiping thumbs, divisive thumbs. We just make that 21st century here. Because some of y'all, are like, I, like you said, Pastor, I don't say a word, I just type it. But God wants us to grow up in our relationships and the way we treat people. He talks about this parallel passage to this is in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. He says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who abuse you. Now how many of you right now are just fired up and ready to go walk this verse out? Like, I got to do what? But you don't know what they... He doesn't say. There's no outs in this verse. And, and the verbiage that he uses isn't like, you might want to think about and pray about, possibly fast and seek godly counsel on this and see if you might want to bless people instead of cursing at them. That's right. yeah. Instead of screaming at them and telling them they're blind and they're idiots and they're jerks and they're whatever, maybe say something a little bit nice to them. Instead of allowing hatred in your heart, maybe show a little bit of kindness. Now he, he gives commands. I say to you, love your enemy. Do good. Bless and pray. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer him the other. For the, uh, the other also, if one takes away your cloak, then do not withhold your tunic either. Now Some of us, if we're honest, the way that we were raised or the way that we raise our kids is if they hit you, you hit them harder. You don't let them knock you down. You don't be weak. If they do it to you, you better get up and you better do it back to them and it better be over. They start it, you end it. Right? I mean, how many, let's be on. How many of you, you were told that or you have told your kids that at some point in time? I mean, that ain't what Jesus said. Jesus said, they hit you, turn the other cheek and be like, hey, you want to try this one too? But can I make this verse 21st century too? If they post about you, you don't hit them back with a comment back. I can tell you this, there have been plenty of posts about me. It, one of the greatest things, if, if you, I'm going I'm to give you, y'all a little secret. Anybody want peace in your life? Y'all like peace? I'm going to give you a secret how to find peace. You ready for it? You, and you might want to write this down. So pull out your phone, pull out a pen and paper, like whatever. You, you're going to want this. Get off social media. You'll have peace. And that's not me being the old man saying, get off my yard type thing. That's a, since I have been out of social media world, my life is so much more peaceful. I don't care what people think about me because I can't see it anyway. Like, if they say something bad, I don't have to react. I don't have no hard feelings or bitterness or anything. They can talk about me all they want in, in Facebook world, Instagram, or any of those things. And I don't know anything about it. And you know what that brings me? Peace. You know what it makes me easy to do? When I see those people who are bashing me, I'm able to go right up to them and be like, Hey, how you doing, brother? You, just trust me, I, I know what it feels like. I don't know if you, have you ever had a billboard campaign taken out against you? Or a direct mailer taken out against you? Have you ever had someone travel churches and preach and call you out by name in your church by name? I have had to be like, and, and everybody's getting all mad, and they're telling me, it's not like, for one, I don't need to know about it. For two, take whatever you posted down. Don't say anything. If they want to hit me, they can have whichever cheek they want. We're not going to, we're not, we're going to get involved in this. We're not going to do this. Some of us, you, you, y'all got to get out of the battles in social media world. And the Twitter wars. I know Twitter isn't real big here, but, Lord, on ESPN, all you read is articles about Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. And this one and this one this one this one. And how they're arguing and everything. Why would it? Okay. <laughs> parents. <laughs> parents. Let me talk to the parents for one second here. Do you enjoy listening to your kids argue in the back seat? Why are you online reading, everybody just arguing? And you know what happens? You pick a side. And then you chime in. And then it says everybody throwing stones at everybody. I mean, you're not going to find peace there. That's what the Gentiles do. That's how they act. Jesus is saying, we got to be mature about the way we act and quit acting like the Gentiles do. He goes on, he says, give to everyone who asks of you. If, if uh, one takes away from you, don't demand back what they stole from you. If, if others wish to do so, then, then let it do it. Uh, or, 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 as you wish others to do to you, do so to them. Now, How many does that sound, kind of sound familiar? Y'all, y'all heard the golden rule growing up. I don't know if they teach that in schools anymore. Like I know when I was old, I'm an old man now. I was back before cell phones were, were created. Even computers weren't, they were massive when I grew up in school. But that used to be something early on in school that they teach you, This is the golden rule. That wasn't just a rule that the teacher came up that they thought sounded good, it's taken from this scripture. But now today we don't do what the golden rule, the golden rule is basically treat others the way you wanna be treated. But the way that we have twisted it is, treat others the way they treat you. But that is not what it says. It says the way you want people to treat you, treat them. It goes back to the whole thing we talked about last week. If you want judgment, sow judgment. If you want condemnation, sow condemnation. If you want grace, try sowing some grace. If you want forgiveness, try giving some forgiveness. If you want somebody to give you the benefit of a doubt, then try giving them the benefit of a doubt. And can I tell you something? When you just believe the best in people, life, again, is so much easier. Because you don't take everything personally. And then you're not offended to where you want to fight. Because it's just like, well, maybe they just had a bad day. Maybe it's been a bad week. Maybe it's been a bad month. (laughs) Maybe it's been a rough year. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just been a rough life. You know, we'll just... Whatever it is, but treat people the way that you want to be treated. Verse 32 says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that? Even sinners do that. If you do good to those that do good to you, what benefit is that? Even sinners do the same thing. If you lend to those expecting in return, the same thing. What credit is that to you? Even sinners do that to sinners, expecting to get the same amount back. But instead, love your enemies. Do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the most high God. Now, I didn't put this in the notes. But I'm going to give you a number four before I even give you number one, two, and three. Can I do that? Because I don't have a slide for it. But this is something that just popped to me. This is the coolest thing about when you preach. God teaches you even as you preach sometimes. This is the second time that he said, you're going to show that you're my son or you're going to be my son by the way that you act. He said it again in Matthew, the first part of Matthew. And here he said it again. You're, you're, you're going to operate as, as a son at the most high when you do this. And you're kind to the ungrateful. See, some people will be kind as long as they're grateful, but when, when, they, when they don't thank us, how many of you ever demanded a thank you? You know the Bible tells us right here, we're supposed to be kind to them even if they, even if they steal something from you and it's not something that you gave you, don't demand it back. We shouldn't have to do that. That's not the the way that he wants us to to operate. In verse 36, be merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful. I'm going to give you three things because I've already given you number four. I'll give you points number one, two, and three. Are you all ready for points one, two, and three? This half of the room is. Are you guys ready for points one, two, and three too? Are we ready? All right. Number one. You love your enemy. These passages over and over and over say, Love your enemy. But the difference is, it's not loving them with your words. He's calling this love into action. He, he gives, uses a bunch of action words when he describes what this love looks like. This love looks like you're going to find ways to bless them. This love looks like you're going to find ways you're going to make sure that you're praying for them. This, this love is put into action that you're going to do good things to them. Like everything that he says in this love requires some action, some movement, some, some productivity on your part. Paul talks about this to the church in Romans, in Romans chapter 12 a little bit. He talks about genuine love. He says this, Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love uh, uh, one another with brotherly affection. In fact, try to outdo showing honor to each other. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Bless those who persecute you. Now, he's continuing a thought. Like, he's not randomly changing things. Because when we think of serving the Lord... We don't, we, when we think of serving the Lord, we think of we're serving in children's ministry, we're serving on an outreach team, we're serving on a worship team. You know, we, we think like that when it comes to serving the Lord. But here he says, serve the Lord, and now he lists ways that ser- you're supposed to serve the Lord. You ready for this list? Bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. Like you can almost just kind of hear Paul like, being correct, like, in case you missed it, I didn't say bless them by telling them they're, you're, they're number one with the wrong finger. Do not curse them. Bless them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those that weep. When someone that you don't like has a success, don't be upset about it. Rejoice with them. When someone you don't like has a failure or a setback, don't be like, well, that's just God getting them. They shouldn't have messed with them. The Bible says, touch not die anointed. So they tried to mess with me, and God's just smoking them. He's just wiping them out. He's going to get rid of them for me. No, if you see your enemy weep, I tell you, this... When your enemy is wounded, this may be one of the most opportune times to show the love of Jesus. They lost their job. They, their marriage is struggling and they're separated or whatever. This may be one of the greatest opportunities because they know how bad they've been to you. And then when you show them love in that moment, that's showing them exactly what Jesus was saying. When you, when you operate in this love, that's what shows them the Father. That's what shows you're truly a son or daughter of God. Live in harmony with everyone. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourself. Never, 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 ever, 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 never. In other words, there's, there's no time when you should strike back and take revenge and retaliate. But leave it up to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if, the, if your enemy is hungry. So versus revenge, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals upon their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's one other place where you see these burning coals. It's in Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah sees the Lord and it says he saw him, he was seated on the throne, and Isaiah fell down as a dead man, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm gone, God's going to kill me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And it says that God sent an angel, and he came down, and he picked up the coals, and he went over, and he touched Isaiah's lips with it. And then he asked, Who, who's going to go for me? Who shall I send? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And then he made Isaiah a spokesman for him. And what did he do with the coal? The coal was bringing purity to Isaiah's mouth so that he wouldn't speak from his own heart his own frustration, his own anger, his own hurts, his own wounds. But that he would speak what he heard the Father say. Sometimes that was going to be words of harsh correction. Sometimes that was going to be words of encouragement. Sometimes that was going to be words of just showing God's desire to bring his people back to him. Why are you saying that? Because by doing good deeds to other people, you literally can bring purity into their life. And isn't that what it's all about? It's not about winning a battle here on earth against people. Because the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness in high places. And God's trying to get you to realize... Those people aren't your enemies. There is an enemy, and he's attacking both of you. Because as long as he keeps you fighting, it's hindering your relationship with God, and it's hindering your relationship with others, and it's fueling unforgiveness and bitterness and stuff to stay into your heart. But when you release it, how do we release it? We do number two. We pray for those who hurt us. And Matthew has said, Pray for those who persecute you. In Luke, he said, pray for those who abuse you. And when you think about prayer, this isn't calling down fire from heaven to burn and consume them and destroy them. That's why as great as the prophet Elijah was, I think Elijah kind of missed it sometimes. You you know that story. I think it's at the beginning of Second uh, Kings when, uh, or at the very end of First Kings or the beginning of Second Kings when the, the army keeps sending these army the the commander kept sending these armies of fifty and Elijah just called down fire from heaven and just burn them all up. I don't think Elijah was operating <laughs> under the influence of the Spirit of God in that moment. Because it it's not God's desire that any should perish. It's not God's desire that any should be destroyed. But that all should be saved. And when we begin to pray prayers of blessing, prayers for their salvation, you know what begins to happen? God begins to change our heart. We begin to look at the situation a whole lot differently. We begin to look at the situation with compassion we begin to realize the things that they've gone through and, and maybe they're reacting this way because of what's going on at home or maybe they're reacting this way because of what's taking place, the loss that they've suffered or, or maybe they're reacting this way because their parents abandoned them or whatever. And so versus being hard on them and angry at them, we begin to feel a soft spot toward them to where it's like, God, use me. Amen. in Any way that I can, like, use me to win them to you. And that brings us to the third thing that we see on repeat. And it says is that it's God's love that separates us from the world. Now in these passages, he, he said phrases like, if you love people who love you, even sinners do it. Even Gentiles do it. If you give to people expecting that you're going to get everything in return, even, even Gentiles do that. Sinners do that if you're nice to people who are nice to you big deal people who do not know me who do not have my love in their heart they can do that but when you love them when they hate you when you bless them when they curse you that's when you look like your heavenly father and Jesus said this at the last supper, after he had taught them about servanthood in John chapter 13, verse 34, he said, a new commandment I'm gonna give you. And it's this, you gotta love one another, but I don't want you to love with your own type of love. I want you to love just as I have loved you. And when you think about the way that God loves us, I don't know about you, Well, let me change it. I do know about you because We're all in the same boat. I have failed God, done things wrong, hurt him, wounded him, been angry at him more than one time in my life. Anybody else in that boat before? And yet God didn't respond with his anger and his wrath. He responded with his love. And it was a love that pursued me that while I was helpless in my sin, he sent his son to go to the cross. It was a love that when I would reject him, would send somebody in my way to correct me or to show me his love or to reach out to me. When I was angry at him, He would begin to provide or bless me even though I didn't deserve it. Anybody ever been blessed by God when you totally didn't deserve it? How does that make you feel? And God wants us to be vessels that can bring that same feeling of love and just overwhelming and mercy and everything that we receive from the Father. He wants to use that through us. He wants us to be like that. John writes about this in in 1 John chapter four. And he says this, he says, anyone who does not love, he doesn't know God because God is love. If you've got hate in your heart toward people, and from this day forward, you continue to allow hate to stay in your heart, then it shows you truly don't know God. Because if you had hate before and nobody ever confronted you with the truth of the Word of God and everything, then it's ignorance. But once you know and you still don't allow God to do what He wants to do, then the Bible says it's sin. can't fool yourself and say you know God and you walk around with hate and anger in your heart he goes on and says beloved if God so loved us we also should love one another no one has ever seen God but if we love one another then God abides in us and his perfect love is perfected in us verse 19 says we love because he first loved us And if anyone says that I love God, but he hates his brother, he's a liar. Jesus told a parable about this, about the man who was forgiven of this huge debt. And then he goes and he grabs the guy by the throat that owed him some money and he chokes him and has him thrown into prison. heard about it. And the king brought him in and turned him over to the tormentors. Guys, I'm I'm telling you today as someone who has had a lot of hate. to the point of where I thought about it and planned out how I could kill and get away with it. That's how crazy your pastor was. Why do I say that? Because some people, but you don't know. You don't know how bad it was. You don't know how bad it is. I know how bad it is. I know what it is. and And I, like the minute you see them, somebody says anything about them, like, Rage just and the problem was the rage that I had toward those individuals and the situations and stuff that were going on in my life. I could sit there and pretend like it didn't affect anything else, but it made our first years of our marriage pretty rough because you can't isolate it. If you got rage in your heart, it will come out on others, whether you want it to or not. If you've got hate in your heart, it will come out on others. Some of you are like, I don't understand why I reacted that way. I'm telling you why you reacted that way. You've got anger and you've got hate and you've got bitterness in your heart that it's time to let go of. It's time to stop lying about how you know God, but yet you're walking in this rage and his anger and frustration in your heart. the enemy's lying to you saying it's okay but God is saying no 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 if you say you love me you will not allow these things into your life and if you want to be set free from it you want to know how it happens you begin to pray for them you begin to find ways to bless them you begin to do good things for them and God begins to change your heart and here's the thing some of the people that I hated the most in my life I can be in a room with them today and have no no animosity, no thoughts, no nothing. Run up, give them a hug, eat dinner with them, spend time with them. And there's nothing inside of me that ever infuriates me anymore. Because I put this message into action. You got a short temper? Who are you mad at? Who are you holding unforgiveness to? because I'm telling you, that's where the root of it is. You don't have an anger problem. You got an unforgiveness problem. You got a a love problem. There's a love deficit that's operating in your life and that's why you're so angry. Because there's a reason why God, God is full of anger, but he's slow to anger. Why? Because he's rich in love. Verse 21, this is the commandment that we have. That whoever, uh, this is the commandment that we have from him. Not the suggestion. Right? This is a commandment. Whoever loves God must. Like, you got to do it. Not they might. Not they should. Whoever loves God must love his brother. see this is the thing that's going to set us apart from the world because the world as bad as culture cancel culture gets that the minute that you post something say something whatever they're ready to you hang you and everything the worse that cancel culture gets the that the love of Jesus should be evident in our life. Because if we begin to offer this love and this acceptance and that you hit me and I'm still not fighting back, you abused me and I'm praying for you. You attacked me and I'm blessing you. If we begin to operate in that same type of love and everything, then what the world offers, people are gonna be like, there is something different about them. There is something that they have and I want that in my life too. And they're gonna begin to be drawn to Jesus left and right. The Bible talks about how if we lift him up that he will draw all men. The way that we lift him up, if he is love, if we lift up love that's going to be the thing that everyone is attracted to and drawn to. That's when you're going to see revival. So this isn't about you. This is about other people being set free. This is beyond just you and all those things. God wants to do a work in us so that we can reach the world so that we can be different, so that we can transform the communities with the love of the the gospel in Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.